This is Matt Brown, and you're listening to Just a Good Conversation. The COVID pandemic wrecked havoc on the world. In California, nearly 40,000 small businesses closed by September of 2020. 15,000 businesses closed across Los Angeles County during that time. Joseph Mahon is the owner of Jackson's Chicken Tenders in Fullerton, California. We talk about how he made it through the pandemic, dealt with employees, the community, and changes for his family. You know, a lot of people vote with their dollars every day. So if they're not voting with you and they don't feel that your their money is going to go farther with you, well, who do you need to become and what's required for you to present yourself in a way that would have them vote with their dollars with your company versus somebody else's? I'm Matt Brown, host of Just a Good Conversation. Take a listen to our archives. My guests have ranged from Hall of Fame basketball players sports writers, and Los Angeles Times photographer, Louis Cinco. We have like the last fun jobs in the world, right? I mean, if you don't pigeon yourself, pigeonhole yourself into a certain beat and you just like want to explore the world, what better way to do it than an LA Times photographer? One day, and this happened to me, you can be in a war in Libya and then Three days after you get back from that, they're saying, oh, by the way, you're credentialed for Coachella, right? It's surreal almost, but damn, you know, if you really look back at it, it was good. It was interesting. It was fun. The rest of my conversation with Lewis can be found on our archives at justagoodconversation.com. Let's take a quick break for a sponsor before diving into my conversation with Joseph Mahon. I've got a chef on the program. Hey, how are you? I'm great, Joe. How are you? Well, thanks for having me. I am excited to have you on because the last time we did this, uh, you were selling burgers and now you're selling chicken. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you're sporting the hat and everything. Exactly. You look exactly. good. Thank you. I yeah. appreciate it. You, you look a lot less stressed. I am. In the last you know, six months than you were two years ago. Well, my ratios are, are up a little bit. They're, they're my ratio to business, to family, to, to health, I think is a little bit more in line. Did you find more balance during the pandemic? Uh, I think I was seeking balance more. Uh, and I re-established some of the connections personally that I had mo- most of the time, kind of when you're in business, usually the business is, you know, the wife and the mistress. And right now it's a business and I have my wife, <laughs> which I always did. Right. But, but it, that's, there's a balance. There's a balance. And we close a little bit earlier and I've been a little bit more selfish and self-centered to keep those uh, established kind of relationships personally um, alive and well. So there's a lot of other benefits other than business that I think contribute to, you know, me being a little bit more relaxed. See, now there's a lot of things right there. in what you said, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't understand when they run a business, even if it's on a restaurant, just a business mm-hmm. and how much of the business takes away from your life and the relationships in which you're living. Yes. Were you, when did you start to notice like, damn, this mistress is taking up a lot of my time. <laughs> well, you know, I, I made it the number one priority for a long time. Uh, and I don't know if that's the best top priority you need to have in your life because businesses really come and go and 
through the transition of, you know, burgers to chicken or uh, one business to another, whatever market you're in, I think you realize that the people that are around you every day are going to be the ones that are going to continue to be around you. So it was very important from that perspective to understand that and nurture that and um, be thankful and have a lot of gratitude for, you know, the support indirectly and directly that they offer on a daily basis. Because I don't think I could do it without them. No one, you know, and nobody does it alone. You know, there's right. a mom, there's a dad, there's an uncle, uh, there's a group of friends, there's a community, usually with every business. I don't really subscribe to, I did it all alone, on my own, self-made. No one's self-made, in no, my personal not opinion. No, not at all. I mean, you need a landlord. Like for us, we need a landlord. Right. Landlord needs to believe in you. You know, um, banks need to believe in you. <laughs> you have support from family needs to believe in you. Right. You need to have employees that believe in you. And then you need to have the community and the people that you're serving. So there's a lot of people that contribute to this cycle. And uh, everyone's important in the process. So I think... We get a lot of the credit, good and bad, but there's a lot of other um, people that contribute to the overall sum of what you're receiving, whether it's a, a burger, chicken, I don't know, piece of metal, microphone, computer. Did you notice your business sense change with children when you had the kids? Um, not until, no, I, no, initially no. I did not have my business sense change with the kids until the pandemic, until they were off, and I wanted to be a little bit more available to them. So when they got free time, you wanted free time. Yeah, when they have free time, I always want to kind of capture as much as I can within reason. Right. And then for the last maybe month, I've had my son attempt to clean windows at my restaurant as a chore <laughs> because he wanted an expensive Christmas gift that we were not going to purchase him. So, um, how are the windows? Dirty, <laughs> dirtier than ever. <laughs> oh wow, wow! Did he give it the old college try though? Did he? Did he? Uh, not enough. <laughs> not enough. You know, th th there's kind of no excuse for me. I'm kind of a little bit more stern on that perspective yeah, because sure. if I had YouTube as a kid and I really wanted to make windows oh. shine, I'm pretty sure you could find that out. Oh so yeah, it's a matter of will. And determination. It has nothing to do with effort, I don't think. You know, Joe, he probably doesn't know where to find YouTube. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. And I don't mind uh, having him make the mistakes. So the first couple no, weeks, right. hey, listen, no problem. Let's fix them up. But the windows don't lie. They're either clean or they're not clean. Mm -hmm. Very, very simple. Yeah. And uh, he just had a little bit of a listening issue, concern, and... Yeah, I think we've kind of buttoned up those aspects, but hopefully it's a learning process, back. though, right? It is. It is. And I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with giving him enough room to, you know, make his mistakes, reevaluate exactly what the work's been provided, and let him know that if it was anybody else, he'd probably be fired. Right. And he wouldn't have a job. <laughs> right. And there'd be another guy in here tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Doing a better job. So I think I think at the root and the foundation is it just allowing him to know what the reality is versus what could be the story in his head. And I think that hopefully is something I could offer him. That's great. Yeah. So, yeah, because 
when the kids have their lives, right? They've got school and sports <laughs> and dance and whatever they're doing. Yep. You're doing your thing at the work. Pandemic hits. Everybody has to stay home, stay six feet apart, mm-hmm. wear respirators. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Up, like that gave you at least an opportunity of whether it was a year or six months or two to actually be around them and a chance no other time. Your parents couldn't have done it. My parents couldn't have done it. To, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like an extended summer. You know, what's interesting is I always asked for a little bit more time or I needed a little bit more time off. And when it was presented through that pandemic in the beginning of it, I realized that I probably like work a little bit more than I ever anticipated. I think I was telling myself the wrong story. I was lying to myself because there was a lot of other business owners in the area that closed down for two, three, four months. Uh, but I thought I had a responsibility to our employees, our team, our core team. They they still need to keep moving, uh, generate income, and b- have a couple more options other than just maybe some uh money coming in from the government thought that was pretty critical we had responsibilities to the landlords yeah Uh, and you know when i talked about the community initially i mean these are the people that you know beyond my personal wants and needs have to be served in their capacities and be accountable to all of them but i wanted to continue to work um i didn't I, i felt that i had the option i remember i closed down for three days I think it was Easter and a weekend, and uh, I didn't know what to do with myself. (laughs) And I thought, well, we need to get back to work and kind of stay the course. Whatever I anticipated uh, was going to happen through that time has not come to fruition at all. So, you know, at that time, I thought if you closed or were not available to uh, your teams or landlord or uh, the community for you know a month or two you'd fall off that wasn't the truth I mean people reopened three four five months later and kind of just started or started where they left off and it was very interesting to me that a lot of people had shorter memories a lot of understanding uh, based on particular dynamics of any business that was kind of more in the retail area right so walk me through mm what it was for you and your business, mm-hmm. like those first like 30 days, who's giving you feedback, who's coming to you? What are you hearing from either city, health inspectors, county, like state, you know, from your business side, especially a food provider, what were you hearing? Um, not good news. Everything was kind of in jeopardy at all. Everything was in jeopardy and everybody was at risk of going bankrupt immediately i remember when our our orange location near chapman uh university um i think two weeks before the city closed down the college closed down and i think everyone dropped about 45 or 50 percent in revenue overnight so it became very serious very very quickly if you drop 40 50 percent overnight and no one's there and the rub was the kids can come and go, but there's about eight to 10,000 administrators in Chapman that usually is the bread and butter for that particular area, especially during lunch. Dinner, not so much. You rely on the community. But for lunch, it was, I mean, non-existent. And then that's wow. that's when everything gets your attention. But I, I always have a, a good network of restaurant owners 
and people that are in other businesses. And I really rely on those type of networks to kind of at least cross-reference information. Okay. You know, we have some extreme guys. We have some conservative guys. I usually am um, big text threads. Uh, for Fullerton, I'm on a big text thread with a lot of the owners. Okay. So if there's anything seriously uh, going wrong and or if there's robberies within the community, uh, we're kind of aware of them and we kind of bond together to sure. make sure to at least understand what's available or how we can protect our businesses. But the word on the street was complete jeopardy and chaos. I mean, it, was, it wasn't for the faint at heart. And Did your uh, bank come to you? No, not for me, because okay. um, I'm debt free. Yeah, but they didn't say like, oh, just by the way, or any, or or, God, no. I guess utilities or anything that nobody was like, hey, no, no, most of them want their money. Yeah, that's it. And if you don't have their money, they're going to be coming at you legally. There, there's no, I don't think there's a, an olive branch for any of those type of uh, businesses that you rely on to, I guess, assist or help or provide any resource other than a bill at the end of the month saying right you better be paying this or we're coming after you either way they'll get their money right we're shutting down the gas we're shutting off oh the, yeah. they'll shut it down right, right away we don't need to have to talk this conversation won't, won't, just click done won't even bat an eye <laughs> and but that's like business 101 i mean there's not a lot of support from the, those perspectives it's, you know landlords landlords are landlords usually they want their money mm -hmm. now right you know so you're just going to have to no next week kind of thing or no. I'll get to you. Well, <laughs> I, I, I would imagine sometimes, but you don't want to go too far because well, they if, owe money too. Some of them do. Yeah. yeah some of them they got to pay their bills. Well, there's kind of a caveat to that. So you, you, you can choose if you're in restaurants or any retail, you have the ability to choose maybe a landlord you feel comfortable with. Mm -hmm. So I went into two spaces that are not huge corporations and investment firms that have a portfolio of, you know, 25 different uh, retail kind of spaces yeah. and spaces. So I, I chose the millionaire next door type of guys. These guys worked within those buildings that they own now. They're in their, you know, seventies and eighties. They've done really well, but they understand the struggle and the courage to go into business and to stay in business. So those connections were very, very important because if anything went sideways, like, what the pandemic provided us, they could be a little bit more understanding than most of the bigger type of landlords that you're just a file and they'll come after everything. You know, these leases all have personal guarantees, right? Those personal guarantees the, you have your house on there, right? <sighs> you have your house, you have everything on there. So these guys are, you know, they're playing for keeps. So you, you got to take that relationship extremely seriously and you don't want to, maybe give them any room for doubt or create any uncertainty with them at all. Right. Two is if you do have a good relationship with them and you wanted to expand, well, they serve as a great reference point to provide other landlords um, within the area because it's a very tight community. They're probably all golfing at the same golf club up the street. They'll, they'll, you'll have a good reputation. They're going to be probably more likely to... Right. Have you then maybe a larger corporation? So 
very, very important to have a good relationship with the landlord, but choose the right landlord also. At the end of the day, they want their own. They want the money, obviously, like everybody else, their rent. But there's some flexibility if anything went wrong or astray, and they will probably be able to work with you a little bit better. Right. Yeah. So. To go back mm-hmm. two, two, three months in, what are you thinking? What's your mindset? Well, say we're in now, like, it's crap started the fan in March. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Easter, April, May, what are you starting to think? How are, how are things looking for you? Are you starting to sweat a little bit? Yeah. Chapman's going, you know, to hell in a handbasket. Nobody's going to school. Nobody's going to school. Nobody's going to school, and everybody said that... Harbor was basically a pedestrian walkway. Pedestrian walkway. My God, there was nobody on the streets for so long. Nobody. It was really weird. I thought... You know, a lot of people told me just to let the ship sink and move on. And I thought maybe I could give it one more go, and if we could just stay stay open stay afloat continue to serve our communities uh we'd make it through and i just took it day by day i didn't really think you know i'm more of a long-term thinker i'm more of a planner uh at this particular time i i I don't think i was planning for anything other than just making sure that we were continuing to offer service day in and day out and making sure that the teams were getting paid and the rent was getting you know, paid, period. I kept it real brass tactics. Uh, and then within the revenue that's being provided, breaking even or being profitable. Right. I mean, that was really, really important also. So I didn't look too far into it. I took it really within the moment, day to day. And we just, here we are. Both of your locations have patio space. Yes. Were those being utilized at all at that point by summer or by late spring, early summer? Mm, kind of. but Because they were doing that weird, like, can't eat indoors, can. Yeah. So many of the capacity, you can only have, you know, half the capacity. Was- I think the delivery, the delivery services went through the roof, complacency and really not going out really kind of took center stage i think those habits became strong they they developed and became stronger and stronger and stronger um and i it's really hard to overcome and resist that once those are established i think those are kind of settled in but those were those were huge um deliveries and just not doing much you had your core which was maybe 15 percent of the population going out Going to the patios. Uh, thank God we did have the patios. Uh, they're fully occupied at those times. Um, I c- can't even imagine if we didn't have them. Right. I mean, uh, which I always was mm. red ass that like right here on Wilshire that mm-hmm. they closed down the street and gave them patio space, more space. I know. Mulberry. Wrong, wrong side of the street, huh? Right. But then <laughs> your back alleyway, they started letting people basically expand into the parking lot. Mm-hmm. They said, oh, you can build this, you can build that. and Yes. I mean, it was like no permit, make your space kind of time. Yeah, and then the cities got back into it and right. kind of messed all that up. <laughs> I mean, so for Orange, our saving grace was they, they which I was surprised about, and we're, we're going back to community and we're going back to no one does it alone. So we go down 50, almost 50% in revenue, but I know everybody in the Orange area, uh, Orange Circle area. So everyone's 
has the same story. Mm -hmm. I mean, we could vary by 5%, but everyone's fallen off a cliff. And then all of a sudden, there's three landlords, small guys that are kind of millionaire next door type of cats, not big corporations. They get together and then they come with uh, us, the tenants, and then we go to the city and all together, they decided that they're going to close down uh, Glacelle Street. And that was the saving grace, I think, for the whole area because historically going around the Orange Circle, you can't park anywhere. So they'll they'll circle around two times. They'll say, screw this place. I'm going to go through a drive-thru. Right. Right. They're not going to spend two or three hours. But when the place was closed and they rerouted the buses and the city, the landlords and all the tenants in the area got together, we had, I mean, it was a grand slam. I mean, our sales went up probably about 45, 45% from the baseline of our existing pre-pandemic levels. Because, really? Yes, because everybody came in to the area not wanting to park and eat, but they were taking their kids on the wagon. They would drift in and out of all the retails, antique shops, the record stores, uh, a toy store, and then they'd wander in and out of the restaurants. And they would spend a lot of money, and they would spend a lot of time there it wasn't a transaction of 30 minutes these people were spending the afternoon they're spending the evening and with the makeshift patios that you could put on the street uh, it really benefited us for quite a while and then the city really benefited because they had the highest i think tax revenue i think for those two years ever like it was it, it exceeded because of all the and spending. Any other any of the other prior years. But as cities do, they kind of get in their own ways a little bit and they try to tell you what patios furniture to buy and <laughs> they're gonna charge you to clean the streets. And then there's other costs associated with this that really just get in the way of the transaction of you serving the guest. And when you're dealing with a, such a diverse group of retail people and restaurant people from all different types of backgrounds and perspectives, no one could really get along. Sure. And then they just scrap the whole idea and they open it back up the street. <laughs> and here we are. But uh, if that did not happen, I think I think for the orange, orange circle, I think everybody would have been closed by now. That'd be a ghost town. Ghost town ghost town but our landlord and those two other landlords that got together i mean and it was because nobody's benefit antiquing too. in 2020 when you don't have a job they're not going to be like i just need that old yeah. piece of furniture it's but they kind of fill in the gaps they right. kind of fill in the saying, gaps but like if they shut it down and it was locked down like there's no way those anybody survives in that circle and the landlords did it for their own benefit but right. it, but their self-interest helped everyone's else is interest it helped the tax revenue sure. for the city and the tenants to survive to pay them the rent because they were they thought literally they're not going to be getting paid ever again right and if the city doesn't make money there's things that fall by the wayside people don't understand mm -hmm. there's you know people that don't get paid when services you never even thought of you have to have that revenue that tax revenue yes a so, lot of people don't know that we pay taxes it's called a lease tax for the city of Orange County. So they evaluate how much <laughs> how much equipment you have in your store and then they'll charge you a certain percentage based on that. Wait, well, 
Yeah, I know. It's sad. <laughs> I pay. I pay probably. Wait, what? They come in and say, "Okay, you've got this many burners, ovens, stoves, whatever." Mm-hmm. And they say, "Okay." And then they guesstimate kind of some revenue you may have based right. on their formula. Right. You make- and then you get a bill every year that you have to pay, and it's called it's called a lease tax. What the hell? I know. Out of nothing they do, no services they provide, just nothing. this imaginary space in which you existed. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah, I don't like paying that every year. So these are the things in business, when people get into, they have no idea it's no. coming. No idea. And it's probably better you just keep your head in the sand. <laughs> because there's a lot of benefits, but, you know, there's some rubs. So I have my bookkeeper pay that one. I, I, I don't like writing that check at all. No, I bet that's, that's I personal. Hate that, I hate that check. It just doesn't. So when things are starting to have some shining light mm-hmm. during that pandemic, mm-hmm. what's your mindset? Are you thinking like, Whew, we got through this. We need to retract, change. Tr- tr- trust what? is completely broken. Uncertainty is at an all time high. And again, staying the course and making sure that we are. Again, whatever revenue is coming in, we're doing what's required to be profitable within that revenue being provided. I just, you know, I don't have a lot of uh, trust and comfort um, because I just think that the habits that we've gotten out of where everyone comes to restaurants and spends a little bit more of, you know, their extra income, I think is shrinking or has been limited or will maybe and i'm anticipating will be limited moving forward so i just try to be as conservative as possible and i'm almost in not playing defense but very aware on a day-to-day basis uh compared to where i've ever ran restaurants in the past right and okay so you wear multiple hats in your life, right? You're mm-hmm. a business owner, two locations. You're responsible for employees. You're not, mm-hmm. you're not um, just a cog at Microsoft or a, a car wash or mm-hmm. selling T-shirts at Macy's. So you've mm-hmm. got a business. You own two of them. Mm-hmm. You've got employees. You're also, though, a husband mm-hmm. and a father of two kids. Where were you keeping your balance when you're trying to like go home? Make sure they're okay. Mm-hmm. The missus isn't, uh, you know, losing her mind. You got two kids that are climbing up the walls. Like, how were you keeping your pandemic dad hat flipping from business owner to dad? I have to give a lot to my wife. My wife, um, she comes from an entrepreneurial family, so their family owned businesses, and she understands the ups and downs and the struggles that kind of come along with business one hundred and one. Um, and I, you know, when we met, she knew that what I was going to do and what we're going to be. So we're, we're kind of locked in in that way where this was a little bit more extreme situation. Right. But she she's she's battlefield tested. She's 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 just geared that way. She's geared for this kind of stuff. She loves this kind of stuff. She thrives in this kind of stuff. She loves so did you come home and she had like camouflage paint yeah, on her exactly. face and fatigues and she was well, ready to go? <laughs> she she goes to, you know, a lot of people either run away from the pain or go towards it. Right. She goes towards it. She goes towards it. She evaluates it, understands it, and will come up with a strategy to combat it in some shape, way, or form at, on the household front. And I just take her leave. So she did a great job. She did an amazing job, but I also closed the restaurants at eight. Right. So I could be home. You did your half, right. Yeah. And I... 
took Mondays off, which we cannot <laughs> ever reopen. Right. Yeah, you've gotten a little comfortable to that, right? Well, that I Monday know off? this is the rub. I can't. If I try to open up on Mondays now, I can't open up on Mondays. Because personally, it just doesn't serve our family the best right. as we could. Because prior to that, the last 10 years, we I worked, you know, the seven-day weeks. And what? You were like 10 o'clock and then weekends? Yeah, like 10, 11? Yeah, 10 to 11. We, we all, we're open to one for a while. Yeah. So, again, a lot of problems, a lot of things going on, a lot of distractions. But then once we kind of fell into this Monday's off, um, you know, I'm sacrificing a little bit of revenue. And a little bit of business, but it's not really that big of a sacrifice compared to the time I'm being able to spend on the one family day. The the Mahons all kind of cherished together. She was uh, instrumental in making sure that we did that. And I made sure to close down the restaurants a little bit earlier. And through that, I think we're able to kind of, for us, me being available quite a bit uh, more than what I had been in the past. And then once that kind of was established, I really loved it and realized a little bit more about what I was missing at home and decided that this was kind of like the ratio that we should have. So we have the family ratio. Relationships are stronger and better than I've had in the past. Uh, Business is good. It could be better, but I like the ratio. And then all I have to do is get my cardio in line. I'd be very interested to see. And you'd be good to go. Yeah. Well, you know, I kind of joke with, you know, business owners sometimes because sometimes we could be uh, professionally successful, but personally bankrupt. Mm -hmm. And, you know, going home to nobody is terrible. Ah. I can't imagine anything worse. And but there's a lot of guys that have lopsided. They don't have the correct ratio. Right. Right. They're totally off. There's 80, 20 or less. Yeah, I, I just I, I just never thought of myself as sacrificing everything for a business. It's just a business. You right. Know? And I know it's important to the family and it's an important resource for us to, you know, to facilitate a mortgage and clothes and food. But at the same time, I think uh, my priorities through my wife's perspective and through her understanding and her way of doing things is is a balance. So me personally, without my wife, <laughs> no bueno. No, no, no. Top top priority would be the restaurant, and that's it, or any business, mm-hmm. and then everything else falls by the wayside. But that's not really the the long term view that you you, you no, want to have. That's not a good life. That's not a good life. Not a good life no. at all. So that's some of the stuff she taught me. But I'm willing to learn. And if I don't know it, I usually apply it. <laughs> That's so, good. Yeah. Was making the switch from Burger Parlor to Jackson at the right time for you with the pandemic then happening? Yes, because we would have probably been bankrupt already. It would have just not gone. The numbers didn't add up. It wouldn't or they wouldn't have added up by getting into by 2021. 20, no, no way. No, no, no way. The what you know, the price point of nineteen to twenty one dollars plus the amount of People and then our distributors at that time, uh, they were charging such a premium for some of our products that we couldn't get away from, and mm-hmm. they knew we couldn't get away from that. They were charging us a little bit more because they know you need it. We right? need it, right? So we're we're kind of buried in here for ten years. We can't. We're not getting away from it. Um, just is that something you look at when you're making your 
your ingredients in your head and you're like, oh, I need this, I need this, I need this. And you're like, oh, this is a premium thing. They could have me for an extra 18% on this damn mushroom. Yep. Or whatever it is, right? Now I do. Uh, prior to that, n- no. And then the bakeries. So right. we, we had a bun guy that... <laughs> the went bun out of, guy. Yeah, the bun guy went out of business. So oh. that, that was that was also an, an issue and a concern because it was a proprietary recipe and he just didn't make it through. Really that simple. So see that's something people don't think about. You're not it's not you making buns in the back. You relied on other people's yeah. products to put your product together. Yeah, and I met him in LA and we had, you know, a twelve year or fifteen year history. I remember when I was in Beverly Hills and then I was in West Hollywood and we just had a you know, an ongoing long term re- relationship working relationship and you know he was the only one that would actually he was actually small enough to do the recipe for me with the connection and the relationship i had you just can't go to a bakery or even a artisanal wow, guys you can't get go hey man this is my recipe they'll go no these are our products yeah this is what we do <laughs> you choose which yeah. one you want one two three or four <laughs> that just you know it's just all different circumstances that came together but you know the big boys they're always worst case scenarios so they have uh, a one one tier distributor then they have second and third options a lot of people probably in my position they don't think of a second or third option and or if things are successful that i'm gonna really pay through the nose for some of these products i mean my buns were getting up to like 82 cents a piece or something yeah great buns though 82 cents (laughs) oh man 82 cents i mean once once he saw you know we we bought a lot of buns from him but those prices ended up that's a high price point but then how do i how do I, I can't get away from that Right. I got to pay it. Yeah. And then I got to pass it on to, unfortunately, the guest in some capacity. But there's a price elasticity that comes with every transaction. I have a family. You have a family. So I was thinking that 18 to $21 for burgers, you it becomes more of a special occasion to place. Mm-hmm. Right. Or we'd have to change the service. So instead of fast casual, you guys as uh, a guest... Not you, but everybody as right. a guest would probably think, well, we probably want full service. Why are we go- Why are we at a counter spending this up front? We should go to full service. And full service, there's just a couple more moving parts to it. And probably not the best time. I'm not a big believer in full service at this point or even during the pandemic because I just think it's a lot of moving parts. Right. And you just need more people that potentially won't show up. Uh, potentially will get sick and then you're always kind of walking on this razor edge of service and quality of food together that I don't know if it could consistently be done day in and day out unless you've been established for quite a while so again less moving parts for us and just making sure that our price elasticity um, and price point were a little bit lower man all the moving parts people just have no clue about in business. Yeah. They come flying at you. Well, that and then, you know, book, our bookkeepers didn't show up and the accountants had some issues. And there's just a lot of a lot of things you need to have a short memory on and be very understanding. <laughs> you know what I've been uh, a little bit more in tune with, too, is just trying to be a little bit more on bias. I was okay. reading a book on cognitive biases. Okay. And it's really changed my perspective quite a bit. Ah, on everything yeah because you know the past doesn't really dictate the future Mm -hmm. even though i think for the last 
43 years it, it has. It, <laughs> In actuality, though, it's probably my bias that is putting the past continuing it to Moving go in the forward, future right? yeah. yeah in the future so could be with a lot of other things too but uh, i'm glad i'm aware of it shared it with the family hopefully they can sink their teeth into that <laughs> i know my wife's got a ton of biases she doesn't she don't buy into it but at least my kids can can understand that but you know being a little bit more unbiased moving forward uh with some of those perspectives of the businesses are are critical wow yeah so when you're mm. going to reevaluate, you're going to move to mm-hmm. from Burger Barlow to Jackson's. Mm-hmm. What is your creative side and your chef side thinking? What do I got to make? How I got to make it? What What am I going to do with this chicken? Is sure. it going to be fried or grilled or what? Where Where's your creative chef hat go? So the good question. Food's the easiest thing for me. Creating's the easiest thing for me. It's like it's like breathing. Um, flavor profiles or or cooking in any direction, super soup. I mean, it just comes to me so naturally. But is that is because it's so natural? Does that make it more difficult? Where you can be like, I can do twelve things. Well, or can you laser focus down? Well, yeah. Through through a lot of I think um, people around me and other people in business, they've kind of settled me down on making sure that. I kind of limit a lot of that into a very focused, concise offering. However, we did have chicken tenders. uh, We did have chicken at Burger Parlor. Now, that Mm -hmm. chicken at Burger Parlor, I think, was about 32% of our total sales. So that's a big amount compared to when it started. I think it started at like 7%. Then it got up to like maybe 34, maybe 36 at times of the total sales at the restaurant so that's a large percentage so i basically just took that recipe and then we just expanded upon it and i know we kind of get categorized as a hot chicken place but i was really going after more of a a raising canes on steroids Mm -hmm. um with some other options and i knew we needed to keep it lean and we needed to just do variations of one product and present it in a couple different forms uh, based on the limited amount of cooks that we have in the back uh, to, to start the concept. But based on that now, I think we're at a point where we can do a lot more variations and we're probably gonna go into seafood, shrimp and maybe cod with chicken because we need to really cut ourselves away from the hot chicken kind of pigeonhole that we're in. Even though we don't do hot chicken, I make a proprietary Nashville dry rub, but I think for the category, I think we just kind of fall into this area. I mean, we have burgers, we have salad, we have a variation of the salads though, where crispy shrimp, crispy chicken, grilled chicken. Um, we have different setups for our sandwiches where we don't really are consistent on a menu perspective for hot chicken because I've reviewed a lot of the competition. I really don't do that as much as probably I should. But are you mad scientists though in the back when you're starting this? Are you sitting back there going, okay? I just think I just think who could who could execute this other than me? Right, because that's what I'm thinking. Right, your mindset, the way your wheels work, yeah. and then I don't want to say dummy down, but yeah. master make it so it's quicker for them and sure a seven minute window, whatever you're. Your idea is of cooking. Well, I, you know, the most important part of our process is obviously the seasoning flour. So if we, if we knock down the seasoning flour, everything else is going to be fine. 
they could. And <clears throat> what I've done is I brine the chicken for, I think, almost like two days. So even if they decided to overcook it for two minutes, it's still going to be juicy. The flavor profile will still be there. Um, we made kind of some other sauces for our sauces, which... I think is kind of what separates us is we have a lot more sauces, a lot more variables so far as the size are concerned. But I do love the sauces. Um, but we've started them from three base sauces. So, you know, we have a ketchup, we have a ranch, and then we have a vinegar base that we kind of vary off from. But okay. these are very simple mother mother kind of sauces, and we just uh, we're just doing variations. And those variations are easy to duplicate, and they're easy to replicate over and over and over again. And they're we also, delicious. They're delicious. Thank you. <laughs> they are delicious. But we do. But we do have. We do have videos. I've done. You know, a lot of uh, lean operations at one time, uh, where we do correct, not correct. We do videos. We do pictures. But at the end of the day, I think people want the connection when you're training and you're around them mm -hmm. and i think for the back of the house the videos that we've presented the the chefs in the back have really shortened up the gap but compared to a lot of other jobs let's say a cheesecake or a bj's or any of my other competitors which is every restaurant we have a very simple straightforward menu that is easy to understand and replicate and i think that's kind of been a lot of the reason we are still around and we've been able to keep on to uh, our chefs for, you know, five, six, seven years. Yeah, it's I, I am mesmerized by how you made that pivot and it worked. You didn't it didn't fall off in quality, the restaurant, everything. It absolutely was like you just flipped the switch, boom, and it hit like you've been doing Jackson's for 20 years somewhere else secretly, and it worked. Yeah, I got a lot of people mad, but you but know. The, but then you always, that's always going to be a thing. But yeah. but the whether you switched or not, that's economics, that's, you know, you didn't want to keep doing the same thing, price points like you said, but it the restaurant, it goes to show how talented you are that it showed that wow you could flip from a thursday to the next week and it wasn't like it lost a beat at all still fantastic thank you thank you that's it's really a high compliment thank you very much i mean it's uh i mean to do that was was there terrified were you a little did it keep you up at night or no. did you just know we got to do this and we're all in on the deep end. Yeah. No. I mean, I, I'm a big believer on we have to become what's required to participate in the market. So, you know, it's interesting because we go into these biases. So we may be biased on presenting something a certain way when in actuality, the market's going to tell us what we need to be. And if you are open to seeing that and you put your ego and pride to the side and you're not the center but you're there thinking of what the market and the community would want um i think you're going to become who you need to be there's a lot you know there's a lot of restaurants and a lot of retail that there are signs that will tell you to become what you need to become for them 
and for the community to be served. Most of the time, they're, you know, the owner or the management can be stubborn and say, no, this is not the way we do it. We do it this way. And there, there's just kind of a break, right? There's not a bend. Mm-hmm. There's not, a, they're not adapting to what they need to become. Because I always thought when you be, when you start a concept, the concept just can't be that unless, you know, you're established 40 year franchise. I mean, that's when you have a little bit leverage, but when you're in a small business and you open up, usually the plan is not going to be the end result of what you anticipated. It's going to be a lot of other factors. You get a lot of feedback from obviously the teams, you get a feedback from the community and then obviously your bottom line and your P and L and how does that work? So you have to really be open and, uh, receptive to exactly what that's telling you because it's a different language, but it's telling you in a lot of different ways. And right. it's not, it's nonverbal. You know, a lot of people vote with their dollars every day. So mm-hmm. if they're not voting with you and they don't feel that your, their money is going to go farther with you, well, who do you need to become and what's required for you to present yourself in a way that would have them vote with their dollars with your company versus somebody else's and it's really tough to 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 i guess think like that because you're not the center of the world right right. (laughs) you know and no one really at the end of the day cares if you're not going to be able to serve them in the way they they want now i know there's some extreme cases on both sides but somewhere in the middle there's there's somebody that's there's a theme that either you're going to understand and you're going to eternalize and replicate and, and provide. And if you don't, then it's going to be really, really tough uphill battle. Yeah. I I mean, you say this stuff and it's perfect. Mm -hmm. Do you wish you had what you just said right now, Mm -hmm. 20 years ago in your head? Um, yes, yes, I do. You know, because what you said was very wise. Like it had battle scar wiseness to the business, what you were saying about how you perceive it, how business works, how you have to change in the marketplace. You wish you could have been like in your early 20s and that knowledge was given to you, whether it was at school or your first couple of jobs, someone sits you down and opens up this book of the Holy Grail of you read this and you'll be wiser moving forward. Oh my gosh, I wish. Right? If you had had any of what you just said in that sense at 23, 24, 25, how much easier would your first 10 years of... Unbelievable. Yeah, it would have been a whole different game. whole different game. But I'm glad I found it out now. Right. I'm glad I have that perspective right. now. You, but I've gone through what I just described. Yeah. I haven't changed. Yeah. Some, some, of the, some of the... How old were you when you started Burger Parlor? I think like 31, 30. But prior to that, more of the mission star game is really ego and pride. Right. You know, it's like, if you don't like it, get out. If uh, you don't agree with my ingredients, get out. If If you have food allergies, I don't care. You know, it's the most egotistical, self serving. Uh, back ass it's ass backwards type of business that I could ever even think of I can't even believe I was a part of it because it's completely counterintuitive to growing any business or a profitable business ever it's really not at all any to do with that it's just ego it's just straight ego I just need that award on the wall suck it it after that unfortunately though you know when you take that award and you try to put it to Wells Fargo (laughs) they don't give you anything back (laughs) 
They go, what the hell is this? Yeah. It, yeah. That's nothing. That's nothing. Yeah. So, you know, when you take your ego and pride and, and you put it to the side and you do what's required, it, it's a it's a completely different ballgame. It's actually more satisfying, too, because you realize that you are part of the cycle and there's no limit on the creativity side because you can be creative within the box that's being presented and who you need to be. And there's a lot of satisfaction in a lot of that. If you have the right perspective, most of the chefs that, you know, I came up with and, um, trained with, I mean, all those cats, um, I, who knows where they're at, right? But they're not, they're not running businesses. I don't think. And they're probably on their way out of maybe, you know, the restaurants are running um, any type of kitchens because everybody has a cycle. You know, usually it's a young man's game being a chef. And usually towards, you know, in your 40s, if you're not established in a hotel or you don't have your own place, you're on the outs, man. Right. There was That's something it. wrong with you. There's something wrong with and you. And we're bringing in this new guy. Exactly. Yeah. And then what do you do? Yeah. He's got a really cool name. <laughs> he's got a really cool name. He's got some good tattoos and a mohawk. Yeah. Yeah. We're we don't bringing know if he him could, in. Yeah. We don't know if he could cook. But, but, but hey, listen, here. did you see his Instagram feed? He's got, he's got a ton of likes. Okay. He's going to bring in a ton more people. This is exactly what's happening. So does that make you just throw up a little bit in your mouth? Um, yeah, my, my, I'm an old soul. I think by nature, I have not embraced as much as I should on social media. Well, I'm glad you don't have a mohawk. Let's start there. But yeah. yes, but I under, totally understand what you mean. But I should. The sleeve tattoos and the social media and the hot chick hanging off your arm yeah, with exactly. a Maserati and you pull in, but you really can't cook an egg. I know. You know what? No one really cares. All that stuff's so hollow. You know, being in L.A., uh, in West Hollywood and Beverly Hills, and just being around that, it's just it's just very, very hollow. Very, very shallow. I mean, just, it's, it's, I just, Not a good it's, thing. it's a different experience. <laughs> I, that's all I can say. <laughs> it's a different experience. And, um, you know, I'm glad I, I don't knock the time there, but none of that stuff really is exist and I think just I mean for the cameras and for photos great but I mean at the end of the day I, I don't I, I don't think any of that exists I think it's just a facade it's just a mirage hopefully they're selling you something at the end of the day that <sighs> is highly profitable but most of the time no it's just all ego and pride was there ever a tipping point mm. when you made that switch to Jackson's and you got both restaurants now doing chicken still God knows when this when they, when they were thinking in 21, was mm -hmm. it going to end? Was there ever a tipping point? You're like, okay, we can go three more months, but I can't do this forever. Because um, I don't know what the damn county, state, and the feds are going to do to me next. Yeah, I've intentionally put my head in the sand on all of that. Uh, I, I, so... For me, I, you know, I look at my mind as a glass of clear water and I try not to throw any mud in the glass of water because it really affects me in a lot of different ways. And it really steals my, it steals a lot from me and um, my motivation and my ability to, to run the businesses. So I intentionally do not find out about a lot of what potential potentially could happen just let me know when it happens and i'll deal with it and that's, that's kind of i control what i can control but the, you know i'm on text threads with sure a ton of restaurant owners that are ah, 
I mean, they, yeah, they're, they're running in the red every day, uh, anticipating something that may happen or may not happen. And, you know, I just, I just respond, dude, if it happens, and it's in writing, please let me know and we'll make the adjustments. Do you send that emoji with the guy's kind of shrugging his shoulders, his hands up, like, whatever. Yeah. Well, I try to be respectful because I want them, I want them to sure. share it with me. But, but uh, what can you do? I can't do anything. Right. Can't do anything. We're all in it together. I mean, if the environment's going to present itself that way, it's going to present itself that way. But, you know, we are kind of resilient as a species like we find different ways like there are things that seem just we we won't be able to overcome or feel that we won't be able to overcome but we usually end up always overcoming it in some shape way or form together and somebody figures out some way and then it gets duplicated mm -hmm. and everybody goes in that direction and we survive again but you know in small business too, or in any business, if you are, if you're making a million bucks and spending two million dollars, you're gonna always be broke. You know, it's not what you make; it's what you keep. Um, you know, for me, my wife kind of gets a little crazy because I'm so defensive about our bank accounts, but we have to. We always have to be on par and ready to. Uh, whether yeah. whether whether another storm in any capacity and i think a lot of the stress you see from not uh, this is all businesses as a whole is people kind of i think um live uh their lifestyle based on the success of the business and then the business kind of maybe fluctuates revenue kind of dips maybe there's some other market concerns maybe other policies that change uh how we do business and then they're you know up in arms because they don't want to compromise their personal lifestyle versus what the business is able to provide and that gap gets wider and wider and wider stress gets more and more and more and then <laughs> This is when you see, I think people really go out of business and a lot of people blame it on the environment. They blame it on, right. Things I think they can't control things they can't control, but you can control your spending. Yes, absolutely. You can control every, anything within your realm. I think you can do. And I don't know if people do that good of a job of it because I've seen a lot of people go, well, just go up in flames. <laughs> well, from mismanagement of funds. Right. And it's really that simple or thinking everything is going to last forever. <laughs> you know, I always think there's seasons, you know, there's winning seasons, there's losing seasons. And, you know, if you're in a winning season, you're probably going to be losing a little bit. And if you're in a losing, you're probably going to start winning a little bit. But, you know, you got to You got to take it as it comes. And again, be who you need to become within those seasons uh, to make sure you can capitalize the most you can. And hopefully you have a family to go home to at the end. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> that will give you a hug or be happy to see you. Or at least give you a nod. Oh, yeah, get, get, that guy's here. Yeah. My son's in the nods now. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Too cool for school. Hey. That's it. <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about, man? Come on. <laughs> but, you know, the network of people we've had through the time has really helped me, too. So, you know, I... I a lot of what I was talking about with community and support and my wife 
and relying on my wife and kind of her her strength is not my strength is that we try to hang out with um, a lot of people that have the same responsibilities that we do and it's uh, it's it's been very very helpful because you find out that you're always going through the same stuff you know yeah, it's absolutely. either you know it's it's a policy it's uh, it's a team it's um, a shift in the market right but what you really find out is no matter if you're in restaurants um, I don't know being an attorney or you have a firm or you're in real estate management or there's always these circumstances in every market and mm-hmm. we have I have I kind of intentionally have a diverse group of people that I kind of text and communicate with and it's always it's always the same. So when I hear this and I cross-reference the information, it, it makes me feel a little bit more sane and it gives me a little bit more comfort that it's all, we're all in it kind of together in some shape, way, or form, no matter what market you're in. I mean, there's always going to be huge challenges. Always something. Always something. Man. And everybody has always something. Right. I mean, right. There's never a day where you're like, huh, nothing's going on. Not in a business. No, not in a business. Not in any business. Right. So, any business, period. So that that kind of gives you a little bit more solitude to continue and gives you, I think for me, gives me a lot more strength and the right perspective to move forward with because I realize... It's just not restaurants, you know, and again, restaurants did well for a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a golden age of restaurants for a very, very long time. And I think I said this to you and I've said this to other people. I mean, sometimes you're on the right side of the fence. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're on the wrong side of the fence for the maybe the last three years. We're on the wrong side of the fence. There's no doubt about that. Everybody knows that that's not a secret. But what about... <laughs> The 20 plus years, everyone's just crushing it, crushing it. I mean, you expect to go 20 years and not have three, four years of bumpiness, bumpiness. I mean, it was it was it served everyone pretty well for a very, very long time. I think people have short memories. If you retired in December of of 2019, you'd have been like, wow, that was a great ride. I know. I know. I know a guy (laughs) who sold 21 restaurants in 2000, I think, 19. Oh, yeah. He just was done. Yeah, but But, but it was luck. It was stupid luck. It was like because if he decided, no, honey, we're gonna go until like September of 2020. We're gonna go right to our anniversary. We'll cut it off then. <laughs> it would have just chopped him off at the fingertips. Full disclosure. So there was there was a, a VC VC guys were giving him a call for I think they give him a call like for ten years. Really? And they call him like every three to four months, and they go, "Hey, how's everything going? How's everything going?" Yeah. Just asking on. that dance. Hey, yeah, yeah, just dance and dance and dance. Mm-hmm. And, and then one day, just that was it. He said yes. And then it was great timing. I mean, perfect timing. <sighs> but, you know, but yeah, that's, he's that's, a smart guy. He's a very bright guy. I don't know if anyone's that bright. No, 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 no. That was just good luck. Yes. He had no idea that they were fooling around in a Wu helmet lab, you know, making no stuff. idea. <laughs> no idea at all. So he 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 did really, really well. Everybody else, probably not so much. But you know, the the, the downside There's gotta be one guy. It makes a good story that it, way. It does. It does. He's a little bit more <laughs> I think 
private than yeah. most. Yeah, <laughs> with it with with his millions and millions of dollars. Yes. <laughs> Have you even? Mm thought of because you're not McDonald's or you're not like some massive corporation mm-hmm. but has it even come on your radar to even look at robotics robots in the food industry yes um, I don't know if I could afford them right that's the thing I mean that's you're not like well we're just going to make that a 17% increase and we'll take it so there's a couple different ways you can look at it so I think there's a human aspect of hospitality that mm, I don't believe will go away because I think we all need to be connected in some shape or form. I think there's going to be kind of some kind of morale and ethics um, Let's situation. Let's start with like the, the basic ones, like the cleaning. Mm-hmm. Somebody, a robot that comes in, cleans your bathrooms, mops your floors, cleans your tables. Mm-hmm. That robot. Has that even been something that's even... I would. That would be amazing. That would okay. be great. Uh, I, I, I don't know where the balance is. Right. Because once, once I know for me, it's going to be different than a large corporation that has a bunch of shareholders to Cause serve. Because Walmart's got them now, like, they're scrubbing the floors and they're they're doing all that stuff. They scrub the floors. Yeah. Home Depot has them. Really? And, and they look like a robot. And hello, how you doing? Excuse me. Move out. But they're scrubbing floors and they're polishing and they're active all day long in the store. I think for the very minimal task jobs, mm-hmm. like janitorial, probably a great solution. Probably a great solution. And, and who knows, it, it, they could probably actually clean better. Right. They're not going to cut corners to go see their girlfriend at 1130. They I know. Gotta. And they may, they may have other aspects to ensure a cleaner, uh, more sanitary environment. Right. That's that's nice. I enjoy that. Yeah. Now, what about things like the grill, the stove, all the things you have? If there was robots that could clean that. That'd be amazing. That'd be really, really right. amazing. The robot I, comes in at one a.m. and. Whoop. Well, we have we have a cleaning crew that comes in every night, um, and it's a day by day type of thing. Right. But this, you know, you know, that who, they're feeling box. good that day and some days they weren't feeling good and we have to kind of pick up what they didn't do. The, of course. Right. And that all has to be reevaluated mm-hmm. every day that we come in right. to those stores. Did they give me 100 percent? They give me 85 percent. Yeah. Uh, I like the robots for the cleaning, the cooking. Yeah. Then there's the cooking aspect. Yeah. Right. Then there's the personal touch, because I've read that that's mm. where uh, Disneyland's going to be starting to move to. Having robots starting to cook their food. As long as there's this kind of um, uh, influx of unions and we have the tail wagging the dog for a lot of larger employers that cannot seem to kind of scratch the itch of the employee. I, I don't know what the employees want. You know, and again, we kind of go back to if you, you know, if you make 50000 and you spend 100000 a year, you're still going to be poor. So I don't know if more money really solves the issue. I know a fair wage does. I know they get pretty decent health care. And there's some other kind of um, benefits that they offer. But I don't know what more they can offer from an employer's perspective. Like, I just don't know what else needs to happen. I think they're like, I've hired some Disney people. We serve Disney people all the time. I know they didn't like the CEO that much for other issues, but if we're just talking from the context of employment, I don't know who is a better employer than 
Disney. Right. right. You know they're not going out of business. They're not relocating. No, not at all. Right. Now, I know it takes a long time for you to get on the schedule because they've had a guy sweeping the floor for 25 years. Right. And he's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. And what happens is we've had previous employees go to Disney. They're very high on the whole training. And then they get to the schedule and I, they go, oh, what? well, Six I'm going to. Six hours a week? That's yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. So they go, oh, no, no. I'm going to I'm gonna be transitioning out. I said, you know what? Why don't we just. Give it a month. Mm-hmm. Keep your schedule, and then, as those right. uh, shifts become more available, then we'll just kind of transition you out. And yeah, don't jump too early. But they, ha- none of them do. Right. None of them do because they're all in on the Disney thing. They're all in on the Disney thing, and then they're 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 kind of trying to be on the schedule with a person that's been there for eighteen to twenty years, right. and they're not going anywhere. Not going yeah. anywhere. Now, I could understand like the overall cost of Disney's business, where they need to lower um, some cost and overhead through robotics. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that happens. I don't know if it could be displayed. I think it has to be behind the curtain. Yeah, well, and you that's can't, most of Disney. That's most of Disney, I guess. Right? All, all corporations are like that, though. But who's going to... So the, the costs are a big concern. The maintenance is a, even a bigger one. Mm-hmm. So who's going to service these machines when they're down? And if they're down... Our then, kids are. <laughs> good. <laughs> right. So that that's probably a great industry maybe to potentially be right. in. But then if those things break during a rush then is anybody else in those facilities able to provide yes, the supervisor robot comes in the supervisor <laughs> i know because yeah, you get you just see it there will be a robot waiting in the corner for robot 216k to go down and here he comes and they take the robot off yeah exactly <laughs> you know so i i think that it's in the same thread as software sometimes a lot of they, they position this software or maybe computers or the internet as something that brings people together when I think what it does is the opposite. It actually breaks, splits, <laughs> splits them up. It actually puts one more, one more barrier between you and me that we have to go through yeah. instead of just maybe just talking. Right. So robotics, I think, is kind of on that thread to me because they're promising maybe some immediate conveniences immediate uh, costs that are lowered, but it could have a long tail where who knows how long um, are these things will last and then the costs that are associated with them long term. It'd be very interesting to see. But those big franchises could afford to do these things. Their robotics will need the bigger franchises and people like Disney to kind of set the tone for the market so that everybody else can kind of get on board with them. But it will be interesting to see the day-to-day interactions and the maintenance. Right. Where, where I see, you know, it touching you and your price point, right? I don't think you're going you're gonna to be able to afford a robot to come in. I wish. And do what you need it to do. But the stuff that nobody sees, that 1 a.m. to 5 p.m., that robot comes in, he cleans your place. He cleans your kitchens and he leaves because the guy who owns those robots has 20 restaurants lined up and the robots go from place to place to place. 
that's where I see small businesses like you. That's nice. Getting into the robotics. That's nice. Employee. I and love they that. give a hundred percent. They, they don't get sick. They don't call in. They don't have to worry about a holiday or whatever. They show up and they know they're moving from one o'clock to one They're in and out of your building. So we have something at our house. That's just this is around. The, yeah. The little Zumba thing, right? Vacuums. Is it Zumba? Yeah. Yeah. We have a Zumba. Yeah. Is it, is it like a Walmart? But Walmart's is like the size of my rower. It's it's a massive. It's looks it's a it's a very large, very robotic looking thing. Like I think I don't have a. I had a picture of it because I saw I saw. So it's a, tall. It's tall it's because about, it needs to have probably liquid in it. Yeah, it needs to have. So it's chemicals. It's, yeah, it's about six feet high. It almost looks like two 55-gallon drums stacked up. But then they kind of robot it. It's got eyes in this. It doesn't look scary. And they're wandering. Interesting. Home Depot's, Lowe's, they're cleaning floors, they're doing... You know what's interesting about these kind of advancements is, you know, especially us living in California is obviously we have minimum wage. When it went from seven fifty to 15 on that trajectory, you know, Walmart comes to me at the top of mind and so does Home Depot, like you just mentioned, because we went from um, having somebody ring up our items to us ringing up our items. I uh-huh. mean, they cut 40% of their staff over those, over the course of that like seven year increases. And now those people are, I, I don't know where where do they go for their positions and jobs. Where right, they, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, if you see an older, if you go to somewhere, I don't know, Jackson Hole, Wyoming, or Billings, Montana, and there's an old Home Depot there, you'll see the 14 checkout lines that used to be there. But like you go to a more recent one, there's four checkout lines, but there's 18 self checkout lines now. Or you go and you scan your own stuff, put it in the bag, and walk out. You know, my uh, manager at Michael's said that they, they she, I think she came in two weeks ago. They cut, I think, 40% of their staff, all of them, throughout the state of California. And yeah. they put on these kiosks. Yeah. And so just like that, everybody okays the higher wage, but they don't realize, well, there's coming with that they can't they can't pull it businesses can't accommodate i know making somebody 20 dollars an hour to do nothing more than to scan something well, i don't know you know i don't know what the solution is but I, I just think people are better with jobs than without jobs sure i think i mean getting out of the house serving something more than yourself i think well it's all beneficial it That's, all helps right. up Everybody. That's where these kids need to be doing STEM, being computer programmers, right? Getting Bubba to be like, you know, play on the computer, you're going to program on the computer. Or maybe or maybe uh, do some drones. Yeah, absolutely. I know a good teacher. <laughs> no, I know a guy. <laughs> I know a guy. That's not a, bad, that's not a bad place to be either. No. Malcolm's taking a drone class this semester. Is he? Yep. Now, is it for, is it almost like a pilot? Type of situation. Yeah, but he like well, the way Jay teaches, it's going to be everything. So they're going to do like uh, heat scanning, mapping. It's going to be more than just like going around a park and flying. Like they're they're going to teach you all kinds of skills where you can then go out. And he's getting he's doing stuff with like Edison and the county, and they're 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 following whales and sharks and migrations and all kinds of stuff. You have no idea how many unbelievable jobs are opening up. You know, with a drone pilot license and where that's going. It's unbelievable. 
Sounds amazing. If you're so far ahead of that curve, so right, right now with the Air Force, there's more pilots that will fly drones than the actual fly a plane. So are they considered pilots? Yes, because they're still flying. They just happen to be flying a plane that's halfway around the world at 55,000 feet, 60,000 feet, 70,000 feet. So like that, what is it? Not the B-12, it's the B-11. Is that going to have a pilot? Yes. It looks like a the, step. Yeah, the new, B, the new bomber will have a pilot. Yeah. But there's, there's an Air Force base out in Nevada, mm-hmm. uh, and there's cargo shipping containers, and it's, they're stacked up one after another. Mm-hmm. And those have three-man crews in there, and they're flying drones all over the world in shipping containers out of Nevada. They'll have, a, they'll have a plane flying over, you name it, Afghanistan, Russia, Ukraine right now, and that guy's in Nevada. So... All satellite what, what, what are what are the co- what are the costs? Uh, so, Jay trains on what's the price point of these drones? I mean, it's not the one I can just yeah. Like you can get like there's some the you can the most basic ones could be like fifteen hundred dollars, three thousand dollars. Each one does certain things. So the ones like you can I buy at Costco, those are just happy fun ones with cameras. You get to the ones that do real advanced stuff. Mm-hmm. Those are specifically made for that drone. It does X, that's only what oh, it wow. does. Yeah, it does uh, mapping or it does um, thermo scanning, all the stuff. Wow. And that's what it's for. And guys will go in, like the, like the ones, you know, for the real estate agents or there's stuff, you know, ESPN's got them now doing, you know, uh, sports and things. They had they had one, I was just watching the Century Golf Tournament. Yep. And they followed this John Rahm's ball. All the way down the fairway, 368 yards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. They have one. Uh, I, I'm huge in horse racing, and they have one at Santa Anita, and they follow the they follow the horse horses as they race, but from an elevated position, about a thousand, I don't know, a thousand feet, maybe mm-hmm. six, seven hundred feet, pretty high. You can you have to know what you're looking at, but it's recording it and it shows it, and it's a great shot because normally you only see it like a Kentucky Derby they'll do it, mm-hmm. but it's from a blimp. And so you'll see the horses racing and you'll see the pattern. They'll do it with a drone at Santa Anita and they'll do all, all the races all and day long. And somebody needs to be, to be behind that drone yep. working it Yep. for it to happen. Yep. Will that get taken over by? Uh, probably at some point, but for a while, only because they got to be in constant communication. You know, the flight patterns, you know, what's going on, safety regulations and things. They got to bring it down, put up a battery when it goes up, when it goes down. You're dealing with animals, so you got to keep it away. You don't need to spook an animal during a race um, because they work differently. You know, you and I had a baseball game. We're not going to freak out if we see a drone. You You know, what's funny is these shots have kind of, I'm, I'm just starting to become aware of them. Right. I mean, they're, they've been everywhere for probably a, quite a while. Uh, we were watching a movie last night, and I said to Antoinette out loud, that's a drone shot. It can't. It could not be done with a helicopter. But you could, we were watching because my mm-hmm. wife, God love her, she loves to watch the sound of, move, sound of music at every time during the holidays. At mm-hmm. the very end of the movie, when they're going up the hill yes, and they're yep. escaping, mm-hmm. you could tell it's a helicopter helicopter shot because the wind the grass is blowing the women's dresses are because the downdraft from the helicopter is just crushing them today it'd be a three pound drone that would get that shot in 4k and they would never even know it was there nice yeah so 
All we need, so the solution is developing new skill sets. That's it. Because there'll be new demands. Right. These demands maybe are phasing out and new ones will reveal themselves as long as we're open to them. That's it. And that's basically what you did. And, but we have to have, you know, community and people to share these type of ideas. That's it. You have to. You got to banter. I think that was kind of the the saddest thing during the pandemic is how far away we got from each other in the community. Mm -hmm. We stopped talking and communicating because everybody was worried about every breath was going to kill the next person. And we became completely disconnected from each other for two years, which, I you know, shows the divide mm -hmm. between the most dumbest things. But we need to go to a restaurant like yours, sit down and say hello to people. You know what helped me out a lot, too, when I first got into business was there was a guy, a family friend of a friend, and he had he had a mastermind group. And he didn't charge for it, but there was uh, small business guys, there's mid-sized business guys, a couple of like big major players. And there's probably about like maybe 50 of them. We used to meet, I think, once every month. And I would say everybody in that room influenced or helped me out in some shape, way or form, directly or indirectly. And I, it could have been just a conversation. It could have been a remark. It could have been, I don't know. Right. But all I know is it helped contribute a better perspective on running a business than than without it. And the great part about it is nobody else was in restaurants other than me. Interesting. <laughs> well, I knew I was in the right room. <laughs> because there's like some dogma that goes around restaurant owners, I just think, that are not around a lot of other maybe markets and businesses. Mm -hmm. You know, and it was nice to get their perspectives. But again, when, when we just talk, we talk about uh, retaining employees, increasing profits and probably revenue. Right. What was the what was the, one of the most interesting things? Like just, yeah, I'm sure you learned something. But the one that you're like, holy crap, I had no idea. Um, wow. Thank God I was I came today. You know what? When uh, the digital marketing, we, we, we did a lot of digital marketing with uh, Burger Parlor. And captive page and click funnels, you okay. know, Brunson, Brunson and the group. I mean, these guys were doing it 10 years ago. Okay. There were two comma guys. One was a three comma guy, like funnel after funnel after funnel. And then trying to kind of relate that into retail. But there's a little bit wider of a gap. Okay. But so far as generating leads, content marketing and funnels, uh, we applied all that to, to Burger Parlor and they did it free of charge because they were just so interested in um, working with a retail. Like it was just fun to them. Like right. they, they're like, well, why don't we try this? Or why wouldn't we try that? And I said, no problem. Here it is. And they would do it. And it was great for me. It gave me a lot of perspective. I went to a lot of um, digital agencies, whatever mm -hmm. they want to call them. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's sales 101. Right. Um, just in a different form. But uh, I, I learned a ton from from those marketing guys. Uh, but there's a bunch of attorneys in there, too, that gave me free counsel and free advice uh, that would allow me to kind of navigate certain situations. There was a fish distributor in there that kind of led me to my meat guy that I used for the start of Burger Parlor, and he did make me my own custom blend because I knew the guy of the guy who owned it, and 
was able to kind of get that off and running and had really some nice special treatment uh, based on just my relationships with them. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, really nice. There needs to be more groups like that. We don't have, you know, and that's the only thing that I feel that there's a void is I, I, that group's gone. I don't know where they're at anymore. I know. What would it take to start a group like that? Mm, Just awareness. I mean, I think maybe we could run it out of maybe Jackson's. If you if you if you wanted to, we could run it out of Jackson's on a Monday. No, no, no. That's family time. Well, (laughs) once a month, maybe once a month. Uh, But it has to be a little bit more um, structured. This was a little bit less structured. It started off structured and then it kind of. It kind of took its own kind of loosey goosey, loosey goosey. And, you know, some guys were doing well that were kind of running it and it just kind of got a little bit blurry. But I have a buddy. Good story for your audience. Um, He he grew up on our street. The Ferris's there are two doors down. Uh, He anyways, make a long story short. Mechanical engineer ran a foundry. Uh, was in charge of maintenance for Ford and came out here and ran a sheet fab metal shop for his cousin. Right. Um, so he's qualified to run shops, went into consulting, but before he went into consulting, he belonged to a, a group of manufacturers in San Bernardino. They would have to pay a certain amount per year. It was like 1500 or whatever, but they would come to this week uh, monthly meeting and they were all owners. So... He quit his job, became a consultant. He had the group that he was going to consult with because all these people needed his services. And recently, he just completed, I think, a 40% equity share of an installation company that's been in business for 68 years based on one of his clients. It was a client of his. They were so impressed with his services that they ended up creating a position for him and then from that position uh instead of maybe paying him everything that he wanted they just gave him 40 percent equity whoa for zero for zero dollars holy crap i know and it's a it's a it's everywhere it's in every wall it's it's everything Jesus. it's a very unsexy business that's literally everywhere right it's almost been in business for 70 years yeah. So this is his first year. He he started off at twenty five percent. He got it up to forty. Now he runs the place. Wow! And that is nothing more than probably the connections, right? He right. he was in with that with that group, and the funny part is I brought him over to the mastermind group. Wasn't his cup of tea, um, but he ended up understanding. You know, just getting involved or participating outside banter, like you said. Mm-hmm. And it's led to really, really good things. I mean, he had more work than he knew what to do with. But now but now he, he owns 40% of that company. Pretty amazing. It's three generations, too. It, it won't go out of business because the, they're a distributor. They have... They're a distributor. Right, right. It's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. All they need is new blood to help facilitate the, the future. Next, the right. future. Yeah. Damn. That's a good story. That's a damn good story. Yeah, he had a grand slam. A grand slam. Good for him. Yeah, great for him. I mean, that. but you got to do it. You got to wrap yourself around good people mm-hmm. 
find those groups, get in there, communicate, provide something. They're around. You just got to get in there and find them. What? Or you got to start one. Or you got to start one. Sure. But when it, but the structure they had was a little bit different. You know, the structure they had, they they went over a book a month. You know, okay. there's some requirements. You're like you don't you don't show up to this meeting unprepared. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, you show up with your your you know, T's crossed and your I's dotted and you're prepared to offer value to the group. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, you can't be a barnacle, not, not a barnacle. And the thing was, is they really got a lot out of that group. And he's like, this is the way you should be running it. I said, Hmm. And the fee that's associated with it really incentivizes people to not be barnacles because if they, they have to spend some, some form of resource. Mm -hmm to make it of value. It just can't be, you can come in and hang out. Right. There's gotta be some other purpose behind it. And I think that should be the only purpose. Then they get together every year for uh, Christmas. But again, he is better for that group. Absolutely. Than if he was never a part of it. Wow. Well, Planting a seed. There you go. Fourth Monday of the month or something. Well, the thing is, I I don't I don't want I don't want I don't want restaurant guys in there. I want other people in no, there. No, that's the thing. You got to have other people. Got to have gotta other have people. Different ideas, fresh ideas, coming from crazy angles. Ideas. You got it. You know, it's the old. Um, you know, think outside of the box. Well, your box and my box could be totally different the way you perceive it. My box could have dents and rectangles and shapes, and your box can be completely square. You've got to think completely different with a different box. It's too often. It's like outside the box. Well, well my ideas could be radical. You're you're a connector. Think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you're doing well. Thank you, man. Appreciate uh, it. I'm glad Jackson's is kicking ass, taking names, testing. Well, the ratio, the ratio is better. Yeah, it is. Yes. Yes. You feel better? Oh well, yeah, feel a lot better. I know. I was probably. I was probably a little bit more stressed than I ever thought I could be. But, you know, I don't reflect on I don't reflect on those times. I just no. try to move on you, and move forward. There are battle scars. Yeah. You got them. You know, the thing is, is I remember complaining one time to one of the guys in the group. And he just looked at me like I was a little girl and he goes, <laughs> are you done? And I said, uh, yeah. He goes, are you ready to move on? I said, yeah, I think so. And now that's what I do. I just move, I, I, it's easy, just move on. Yeah. Just move on, let it go, move on. Let it go, move on. That's all you can do. That's it. But it took me a long time to do that because you know, you kind of hold on to stuff. But again, I let go, move on, keep a short memory. Right, <laughs> the business is one of your babies. You know, you gotta make sure it does well. Exactly, but with the, obviously with the right people and, and everybody in, in that group, um, helping out one another and helping me and I'm helping them. It's yeah. the only way it works. Yeah. Thank you for your time, Joseph. Appreciate You're the it, best, man. man. All right. Thanks. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Joseph Mahon. If you enjoyed this episode, please click the like button and become a subscriber to the show. Remember, you can follow the Just a Good Conversation podcast on Instagram. You can find all of our past shows on the website at justagoodconversation.com. I'd like to dedicate this podcast to Carrie and Emmy Mahon. Thank you for listening.